0: I want something to be stable and good and right and that I'm able to experience or bring into being, whether it's, you know, pulling weeds out of a flower bed or whether it's fixing a light or whether it's sitting in a study where, you know, you look at a bookshelf and go, man, this is good. This brings me joy like it, but you know, it's not the larger story. I know that when I'm in it, but I'm like, but it's the closest I can come to some form of joy that can't be taken from the nightly news. It can't be taken from whatever financially is going on in the world or with the healthcare. And, you know, so it to me, it's just trying to find those little things that never really satisfy long term. But yeah, in, in that five minutes or 10 minutes, there is an endorphin hit of minor joy. Friends,
1: welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of September 27th. In part four, the concluding episode of of our series around caring for your heart in an hour like this and just how nuts uh, this particular moment in time is and, and how important it is that We'd be aware of that, and and so that we can shepherd our hearts. And with me this week in the studio, Alan Arnold and my son Sam Eldridge. Hey guys, thanks for having us. Hi. I I'm inviting different members of the team in each week because it's so helpful to have another perspective to how oh wow well this is what my life's been like or oh hey I was reading you know this piece so it's it's really great to kind of enrich the podcast in that way. So we got enlisted for the, how do you medicate episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me, let me just review for us. And, and again, listeners, you know, you can get a ton out of this podcast if you haven't heard the series, but it'd probably be better if you'd kind of go back and pick up parts one, two, and three. But let me, let me review for a moment. It it sort of goes like this. We entered the COVID 19 pandemic of 2020, worn out by the madness of modern life. That's important. Like it wasn't just the pandemic that clobbered us. We had been softened by the comfort culture, but also worn out by it in a strange, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of mixture of of weirdness. You know, when you're when your biggest trial in your day is that there's a super long line at Starbucks or that (laughs) your phone battery dies, it doesn't exactly build resilience. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we come into the trauma of the last, you know, 18 months, worn out by modern life. And and then we got steamrolled. Then then we just got clobbered. Our humanity got clobbered not just by the pandemic and, and all this stuff is still rolling out, right? The vaccine passports and all the t- tension around all this, it's all the socio drama around it that, that wore us out. And now we're, we're currently trying to find recovery. We're trying to find relief, but we haven't actually paid the bill yet on the pandemic. And so in this compromised condition, that we are all in, we are facing some really challenging moments and some really critical choices that Jesus warned us about, has some really good counsel for. And so just by way of review, what we're saying is it would be a really good idea to take the strength of your soul seriously at this time. Let's go back to. I want to start. I want to start in a fun place or a, or a fascinating place to me. So, during 2020 and in the and in the first half of 2021, home renovations mm-hmm. absolutely skyrocketed. Right, people putting in gardens, working on their yard, painting a room, and we did it. Stacey and I did it. We had
2: curtains, new paint. Bought a couple chairs. <laughs> we were already planning hours, but uh, yeah, we're right in the middle of that. Right? Yep. Yeah, you guys did a whole kitchen. A whole kitchen and then accidentally had the bathroom when the pipes backed up and broke, earth started coming out of our shower <laughs> drain. But oh, yeah, that kitchen and a, a bonus bathroom. <laughs> right? Well,
0: and we helped with that stat going up because we restuccoed our whole home, uh, had a new roof put in. We had a new driveway which is the worst way to spend money? You have to do it. Way to it, pick
2: the sexy but stuff concrete, out. Concrete,
0: <laughs> concrete, right? Um, so took trees out that needed to be uprooted to put new trees in. So we did all of that in the last year, and and it didn't bring a lot of life. I mean, it needed to happen, and we wanted to find some life in it, but.
1: So I heard that Home Depot and Lowe's and kind of those you know big box
2: home renovations like experienced staggering profits. Oh man, I wouldn't be surprised. Have you you've seen the price increase of plywood, right? Like a hundred percent, two hundred percent. I remember standing in line at Home Depot while a guy was returning six two by fours. And I was like, well, he's he's returning six two by fours. Like that's that that's tiny. Yeah. Well, they were all 10 bucks a pop. So he like didn't want to sit wow. on them while the right. price increased. I literally saw the other day a video That at a construction site, they had stacked one of those portable dumpsters on top of their stack of plywood sheets so they wouldn't get stolen because that's how valuable they are. Oh,
1: my gosh. crazy. Right? Okay, so lumber prices are up 300%. There you go. And what it's doing, it is adding the cost for a person to go out and buy a new home right now. It's added $36,000. Oh, my gosh. To a, a home? To the cost, to the average cost of a home. So- Everything went up $36,000.
0: It's
1: okay. So there's a phenomenon going on, <laughs> oh. right? There's, <laughs> oh, you know, there is. 76% of homeowners have carried out at least one home improvement project.
2: Yeah. Is that oh. that we want things to be nicer or is that we're like finally stuck staring at our crappy kitchen sink for six months and we're like, all right, all right, Karen, I'll finally deal with this. Okay. I
1: in order to answer that,
2: okay. that is the question of the hour, <laughs> oh, okay. like
1: this is a we're looking at a phenomenon, yeah, yeah. right? Mm. What's the, what's going on there? Is it boredom? Is it, I don't like looking at these walls, but what I want to ask you is why the aquarium?
2: Oh yeah. But that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> <You just don't. laughs> we're talking about home renovations. Why the aquarium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... So, Alan, I um, have an aquarium in my home, which is new. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's it's doing pretty well, actually. Um, I have two snails in it and a handful of fish, and I initially got six shrimp.
0: Is this for for dinner at
2: night? They're tiny. Well, okay. anyway, the ecosystem's working. I'm over 200 shrimp now, and I'm turning it into a little business. I got a side hustle selling to fish shops in South <laughs> Turns out tiny shrimp don't go for very much, but yeah. Not the same as plywood? No, that's not nearly. I wanted to like bring into my home something that I loved. And I think if you set anybody in an aquarium, like a a big one, a legit one, I love the shed in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and you plop them in a bench just to watch seaweed move underwater, that rhythmic current. It's slower obviously than a tree blowing in the wind outside. Like it has the resistance of water to it and therefore it feels much more soothing and much more meditative. And so when you think of fish tank, maybe you think of like a little sphere with a goldfish in it and blue fake rocks and like a pirate ship that's sunk in. No, no. I like got into aquascaping. I wanted real Branches, real rocks, real plants that have grown and move in real a real diverse ecosystem, so that when I I was sitting there holding our newborn in our little rocking chair, just sitting in front of it, rocking slowly, and looking at my plants move in my little aquarium, <laughs> and everything was fine. The meds were going to kick in any minute, <laughs> and
1: everything is good for a moment, yeah, right? gang, like there's a there is a phenomena going on. In our hearts and
2: lives. So how, about, how about buying stuff? Yeah, did you know there was a thing called the bike boom? You probably didn't know this. I didn't know this. That now it deserves a name because between January and October of last year, $4.1 billion dollars worth of bikes, including e-bikes, were sold in the United States alone. $4.1 Okay. Wow! Like oh. I, I, I think I personally have increased the
1: cardboard industry. <laughs> you <totally> by three hundred percent. I'm embarrassed how over through the pandemic, but not you know. I'm in talking into like this year and into this fall. Oh yeah, it hasn't stopped. I am buying stuff, and there's this thing in me. There's some. Yeah. There's some, some something. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to soothe. I'm trying to comfort. I'm, you know, I'm buying new flannel shirts for fall. And I I just, to kind of, okay, some people are like, yeah, so I don't do that. I'm not normally a shopper.
2: (laughs) John Eldridge bought a shirt.
1: (laughs) And then this, and then this compulsion that I caught myself doing this summer, I've had this compulsion to fix things. Mm. I'm just fixing things around the house. If I see anything that's not quite right, I, you know. This oh, the plants need watering. Oh, you know, that doorknob's broken. I installed some new door hardware this weekend. You know, I I gotta straighten the bookshelf up. Look at it, it's such a mess. Is any of this going on in your life? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like in my study, and that's where I do a lot of my writing. And I've kind of Kelly's allowed me to make that my own hideaway in our home. And I can't tell you over the last few months how many times I've redone the books. On the bookcase because I'm trying to find, and I'm realizing, I'm just trying to find order in some place that can be a sanctuary away from the craziness of everything I can't control, but I can get the bookcase looking really good, or I can straighten things out in this place to where I can go, kind of like your aquarium, where it's a place I can go and just sit and feel at peace for a minute.
2: Yeah. So is it by genre or by color? You kind of do that nice little rainbow transition. <laughs> yes, it's been all, it's thing. been
0: all of those things. It's just it's just constantly changing.
2: Oh, uh, Craig would be so happy. He he's <laughs> he
1: spent hours rearranging his bookshelves. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm out for a bike ride with a, with a friend through the Garden of the Gods, which has become a place we couldn't go actually over the last year and a half because there's been so many people it has been bumper to bumper through this park because people are out. And
1: yeah, like beautiful city park for those who don't know what that is.
2: $4.1 billion in bike sales. So like everybody's cruising around on these e-bikes all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. So I'm out there on one morning when it's quiet and out of my mouth sort of accidentally comes the, I'm convinced if I had a more rigorously outlined day, I would be happy. And I, I said it while passing somebody and the person like, straight up guffawed as we were biking by. I'm like, man, I'm just convinced. Like what I need is, and you know, now some strangers laughing at me as I'm biking past them, but it's a little bit of that. Like it's a little bit of, I want more structure, more control because everything feels like it doesn't have any. And I I don't do what you do, which is wandering around fixing stuff. I walk into my house and I'm like, Oh man, there's so much stuff that needs fixing, and and I am the first among them, and I don't know how to even begin going around and making yeah. the handle on my sink faucet. It's a brand new, it's a brand new faucet, but it's come off, and the way I have to tighten it is I have to you get like a screw in from the base, but the way it's installed, there's a countertop in the way, and if I rotate it the other way, it's facing away from mm-hmm. me, and there's a backsplash in the way, so I don't know what inch-long screwdriver I'm supposed to use to fix my my sink (laughs) handle. But just
1: get a little tiny handyman to come help you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But John, to your point
0: about fixing things, last night, Kelly and our 16-year-old Chase and I were having a ping-pong tournament down in the basement, having a blast, and I realized toward the very end one of the lights up in the ceiling not only was out, but it was hanging a little. And you know how the floodlights will... Like, it actually was coming apart, the light was. Yeah. And so when I pulled it out, it left the little screw part in. Ooh, yep. And Kelly's like, not a big deal. Just, you know, get that over the weekend. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right now, I have got to get it. And I spent an hour and a half, and I ended up fixing it and making it right with a lot of tools and ladders.
2: And super glue.
0: And super glue (laughs) and duct tape. But the point was, it felt like the night couldn't be like i something in me compulsively had to make some little something right before the night ended in a day where a lot of stuff i couldn't make right
1: okay so it's that um it's the compulsion what is this compulsion to buy stuff fix stuff renovate organize bookshelves i mean just any anything we can do Name that. What What is this shared compulsion? If you could put words to it, like tap into that for a moment.
2: I almost don't want to. I feel like it feels thin, that space. If I have like a tap don't into touch it, that. I'm going to push right through the other <laughs> side. It's what it feels like. It's just, what are you looking for? Yeah, right? Like it feels like when I get there, I'm going to f- discover that there's like a me that's rocking in the fetal position that's saying like, just leave me alone for a minute and let me buy my things because it, it gives me an endorphin rush for 30 seconds.
1: Yep. And that's okay. That's okay, everybody. We're not going to take away
2: your yeah. bike boom.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> for me, I think it's, I want something to be stable and good and right and that I'm able to to experience or bring into being, whether it's, you know, pulling weeds out of a flower bed or whether it's fixing a light or whether it's sitting in a study where, you know, you look at a bookshelf and go, man, this is good. This brings me joy. I like it. But it, you know, it's not the larger story. I know that when I'm in it, but I'm like, but it's the closest I can come to some form of joy that can't be taken from the nightly news. It can't be taken from whatever financially is going on in the world or or with the healthcare. And, you know, so it, to me, it's just trying to find those little things that never really satisfy long-term, but yeah, in in that five minutes or 10 minutes, there is an endorphin head of minor joy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess now that you mentioned, I've been, I've been like puttering a lot and I thought this was just something that like old British men did <laughs> I didn't know that like we could Sorry. do this as an American <laughs> but I'll like go out in the garden and you know there will be all of the chaos of the day and there will be the news chiming for attention and social media and the latest tragedy because there is there, is, there always is a, a latest thing to be horrified about and I'll go outside and I'll like pick dandelions kind of like slowly and inefficiently I and mean, we've yeah. got this little like hand trowel we bought the fancy like stomp on it 3000 it'll take care of them forever I like the hand trowel. Like I like that it's slow. And then I like that I can just kind of mosey through the yard. I don't know. Maybe it feels like putting the blinders on. Maybe it feels like just creating a space that's Mm. quiet for a minute.
1: Mm. And what I want to say in all kindness is because your soul needs to. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm realizing my latest is we love summer. Summer is both Stacy and my favorite time of year. And we're deep into the transition now into fall, and what's going to happen is all of our annuals, all of our flowers, the flower baskets, the flower pots, the things that we, we have on our front porch and back porch to just make things beautiful and a nice place to be. You know those mm-hmm. those I could, the t- the clock is ticking, mm-hmm. but no no uh uh-uh. no sir, <laughs> I am honestly I'm out there. It's called deadheading. You mm-hmm. know where you pull off the the faded blooms in order to tell the plant you don't die produce more flowers i am hmm. fertilizing the plants every week that's you know Stacy's like what is what is this like you're t- you've never taken such amazing care hang in there little guys <laughs> exactly. it's like, it's seriously I don't can, leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> guys i can feel it in my body right now there's just something in me it's like no no please not yet not not yet like don't don't die yet i i I need
2: you for as long as i can have flowers so is anybody else doing this i've actually begun like even before summer was winding down i'm planning trips into next year like all of next year like i've got a trip planned in january and in march and i've got an event i signed up for a half iron man in august and like it was still yes july yes And I was like, I'm taking handfuls of warmth and of rest and of sunshine and like chucking it into my future and the ways that I knew how.
1: Okay. So listeners, I hope you're tracking with us and you're seeing it in your life and you're beginning to feel it, feel it in your soul. The longing for life to be good again is so primal. It's not just deep in us. It's not just compelling. It's primal. And that's okay. That's okay. We are not like shaming, blaming, accusing, exposing this. We're not. We're not bringing it into the light of day in order to say, "Don't do that." This. This is. This is core to human nature, and and this primal drive is what sees people through really hard times. This primal drive is what allows us to produce works of great beauty yes. in the world. And you know, you know, whether it's Van Gogh or St. John of the Cross, you know, they, they went through a lot of suffering, personal suffering, and produced great things out of it. So this is a good thing. I'm what we're trying to expose name surface in all of the, you know, the compulsions and the straightening up and the spending and you know, just buying stuff, all this is your longing for life to be good again is at an all-time high because of everything we've been talking about in the last three episodes of this series, because of where we are in the world. And, And one of the things I'm aware of, you know, the whole COVID thing is still so controversial. You know, it's still around mask policies and vaccine policies and all that. And everyone is so upset there's just a deep ups i'm upset about this and on either side i'm upset you are and i'm upset you're not i'm upset you you know and so i was tapping into that upset and go oh that's the source like so my my longing for things to be good again is at an all time high i am i am picking dead flowers off my hanging baskets in order to coax them to stay lovely for just a little longer because of that, of of all that our souls have been through. And and as we kind of come into the final episode in this series, what I want to say is shepherding that beautiful, deep, powerful longing is so critical in this hour. I kind of call it shepherding our Eden hearts, right? Because the the danger is where you take it. The danger is not in the longing itself. The danger is in taking it to things that don't work, Mm -hmm. I guess, taking it to things that are vulnerable and ultimately... I would say this, that the essential warning of the scriptures is that our primal craving for life and for life to be good again is the primary battleground for the human heart. This is where it gets played out. We only sort of want God. What we really want is for life to be good again. And if God seems to be helping with that, awesome. We believe. Yikes! Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. and if he doesn't, well, you know, we'll get back to him later. We'll get back to him later. In meanwhile, we're gonna chase whatever we think will fill our famished craving, and th- this just feels like a really vulnerable moment for human hearts and souls. And I, I just I watch it taking place. I'm watching the ancient battle for the human heart play out in, in my soul right now because I'm upset and I'm traumatized. and I'm trying for life to be good, all that.
0: Well, the Eden longing, the way that phrase, John, when you speak it impacts me, it, It's a, it's a deep level. It's almost like an awakening that pulls me into something I didn't realize I had lost because yeah, we want things to be good again, normal again, but it only takes a minute of, of pausing to go, but normal pre-COVID wasn't Eden. It, it was normal and it was a lot better than being locked down and a lot of what we're facing now, but it wasn't Eden. And so it reminds me as you say that the deeper longing that I have, and I'm guessing we all have, is not just... For things to be like they were in 2018 or 2012 or whatever, it, you know, however far back you want to go, we need to go further back. Like, how did God design our hearts and our longings? Because if all we get out of this is back to where we were, you used to begin every podcast with these words about. The reality we're in, and how we need to wake up and and guard our heart. Yeah, this and, is a
1: gnarly time to be a human being. Right, and that
0: was before all this, right? <laughs> yep. So anyway, the Eden heart yeah. that that phrase is so helpful for me.
1: Yeah, Sammy, you don't you don't have a happy look on your face, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're you're pushing my buttons, man. Like the the confession of we don't, I don't turn to God. Like when that's working, great. I feel myself being more fragile than pre-COVID because we've weathered through this thing. We're still in the middle of it. There's still human atrocities going on all the time. I feel like people in general aren't safe. Like, I I don't know what's going to come out of the cashier at the grocery store's mouth or a family member's mouth or like, I just, everybody, like, I just feel this level of like, hands are up and... What I've done is I've gotten an aquarium, <laughs> and it's like I've actually I've actually put my like hope for being okay into more fragile things, not less fragile things. Right? That's it. So that's where, yeah, that's <laughs> like, on my face, I'm like, I'm like,
1: that, oh, no. that, that, that's it, that, and no. that's why it all feels so vulnerable right now. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the dangers of hypothermia is fascinating. When you are in the late stages of hypothermia, you get really sleepy. And all you wanna do is just lie down and go to sleep. And sleep just feels like bliss. Just let me go and you you will die. Like that's what your body's doing. Don't you also start taking layers off? Yeah, your body, your body mm-hmm. it sends these signals that you're actually hot. So you start stripping your clothes off. In late stages of hypothermia, but that that longing for relief, just just let me lie down for a minute. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rest for a minute. And you know all the mountaineers and people and you know so sort of other things are like, don't succumb to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do not, do not get up, move, walk around, slap yourself. you know, recognize what's taking place is that longing for come on, just let me lie down is is actually your most vulnerable moment. And I think we're there for mm-hmm. the human soul right now. I mm-hmm. really do. I think this is a shared experience of profound vulnerability, and thus this series. And what we want to, what we want to offer here in in the final episode of this series. But again, I'm going to tell you, we're going to carry on with resilience and and some of the graces of God for resilience into the fall, but is the idea of shepherding your Eden heart. You know, Jesus, a couple of times in the gospels, I'm thinking of John 14 as one where Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm like, what? Let? No, like, I just thought that that was a, no, hearts just get troubled and then you'd figure out your way out of it. Yeah. And, but Jesus says, we actually have this rich capacity to shepherd the life of our heart. You can choose where you take your heart. You can choose what to do with these profound longings for life to be good again. And I think that's our primary work in the days ahead is, wow, my longing for life feels like an all-time high right now. And I'm aware that God feels kind of optional to that and, and actually frustrating. Like if he's if he's helping,
2: great. If not, I'm frustrated. Yeah. God's actually just a little slow. It would be the way that I would say it. It just takes a while. And that beer does not take very long. Yeah. <laughs> and that lily that's blooming in the backyard does not take very long. Yeah. So yeah. here's what I want to ask you. Um you
1: weren't ready for this question, but I think spontaneous is better. Coach yourself. you know you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you know your tendencies. If everything we've said in this series is true, if this is what's playing out now in the world and we're living at this extraordinarily vulnerable moment for the human heart and and frankly, for our faith, mm-hmm. for our life in God, how, how would you how would you counsel someone like you? How do we shepherd our Eden? hearts.
0: I think for me, I would, if I stripped away all of the surface things, I would say, Alan, what you're looking for at best gives you 10 minutes of happiness, maybe an hour, half a day, whether it's in repairs or whether it's in buying things on Amazon or or the garden. But what would your life look like if you Stripped all that away and said the only guarantee is God. How would that change your pursuit of life every day if that was your number one source for comfort, for restoration, for relief? And, um, you know, John, I have this picture in my mind of after creation, and there's Adam and Eve, and it talks about in Genesis 3 8 where God walks in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and we don't know how long that went on before the fall right like but that's what i want more than anything in my life i want to walk with god through the storms and the cool of the day and so so coach yourself there what
1: would you do this week
0: so what i what i would do this week is say when things start to feel uneasy and when things start to feel overwhelming turn first to god look first to him and and some of those other things aren't bad at all no nope. but you know i would coach myself to pause and look to him first ask for his interpretation ask for his presence ask for his fathering and see where that leads then it probably would look different every time. And that's great. That's what walking with God, you know, that's what we're supposed to do as sons and daughters. And so that's, that's what I don't do enough of. I turn to the quick, the fast, the easy, and it just doesn't last.
1: Well, not only does it not last, I think it's setting us up for a deeper loss of heart. And so that's why I'm asking like, what coach yourself, Sam coach, what, what, what do you recommend?
2: Yeah. Oh, do we want the uh, the unedited? This is supposed to be raw, right? So my initial response was get to Costco and buy all the beer, Sam. Stock <laughs> up, Sam. You can. And then I'm like, oh no, that that doesn't work. Um, I saw somewhere this th- people sort of making fun of the season that. Uh, adulthood is constantly saying after this weekend things will calm down. So my my initial re- reaction is oh well I'll just do less things I'm I'm going to create space. But realistically like I I don't have the ability to slow everything down much as I would like to. There's just a pace that I can't control. But I think if I'm if I'm honest in and looking at me and giving, coaching me saying like, no, there actually are lots of opportunities in a day where you can choose something else. And I know how well I respond to sitting and doing like a 15 minute pause. And it actually needs to be that long, but it's like a, I sit on the floor, I sit with my back up against the wall I focus on my breathing, and I genuinely do like have to take that long to let go of everything, and then turn towards God and have that be something that's chosen daily. Because I'm I'm doing other things with that 15 minutes. It's just getting a third cup of coffee, or it's yeah, uh, you know, watching the latest so what, trailer. What
1: you just described was a process of recentering. Yeah. Okay. So, like, even to break it down, you sit down start breathing, right. focus on your breathing, and you begin to let things go.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is like why I'm coaching myself in this because I know like, Sam, you know the neuroscience. You know what this, this literally will rewire your brain. You will actually think and live healthier the rest of the day. And if you're able to maintain it for much longer. So it's like, I just don't know why I don't do that. and But I don't. And that's one of those like, I need a practical, you know. Yep. I, I need something where I go. Yeah. Sam, do this thing because you need it.
1: Yep. Friends, you you all know these things about yourself. You know your strengths, you know your weaknesses. And you you have a history with God, gang. You know the things that bring you back to God. That in this vulnerable moment, I, I want to suggest a couple things. One is when I'm in the place of fixing something. Deadheading the flowers, fertilizing them one more time. When I when I am seeking life, I honestly like this morning. I was rushing to get out the door. I had lots on my plate, big full day. But I actually, I got online to see if some of the supplies I need for uh, my upcoming elk hunting trip were available. <laughs> like that, there's the buying thing. I need to feel better, so I'm just going to buy some stuff. When that's going on, I I literally. Enter it. Enter your primal longing for things to be good again. Be aware of it. Enter into it and turn it to God. and Say, I choose you. I choose you, God. You are my life. I don't dismiss the longing. I don't shame it. I, I don't try and make it little again. It's, It's there. I feel it. But instead of painting the room or chasing the next dinner or whatever. I enter the primal longing and I turn to God. But it's it's in the thousand little choices to turn our face back to God. And, and it was just the sweetest moment the other night. I was out on the front porch needing to do this before I could even go to bed. I was too spun up to go to bed. I choose you. I love you right here in my longing for things to be good again i choose you i'm not going to i'm not going to plan that trip right now i'm going to take all that desire and i choose you god and then the breeze that had been dead still in the evening was a very really quiet evening the breeze suddenly just blew across my face there was just this tender moment of good choice john good choice hmm. I want to also recommend to folks, and, and we will, we'll go more into resiliency this fall, but in Luke 21, that's Luke's version of Matthew 24. It's the Olivet Discourse where Jesus is giving urgent, loving counsel through living, living in this moment. He says, keep alert at all times. And I think in that moment, it's just be aware of what you're doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And pray that you might be strong enough to escape. Escape the madness, escape what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to take us all out through, through these longings. Pray you might be strong enough. I'm like, whoa, 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 I need to know more about that. So I started like digging into it, looking it up. The word strength there is only used twice in the New Testament. It's a Greek word, kataskuo, and it's used by Jesus twice here. And the other place he uses it is when he's talking about his church and he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Mm. will not Uh win. So kataskuo is the strength that prevails. It is, a, it is an overcoming strength. It is a victorious strength. It, it is the strength that wins. Pray for the strength that wins. Pray for the strength to escape the madness. Pray. I think we begin to ask God on a daily basis, Lord, I need that. I, I, right now, I need the strength to not get taken out by the sadness of the world, the drama of the world, the upset, you know, get upset, get upset about this, get upset about that, like all that. I need the strength for that, but I also need the strength to choose you Mm -hmm. in an hour where it just feels like, man, the, 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 the thousand subtle temptations are to choose something other than God. And I think that's where we begin slipping into the, whatever, I'll get back to God later, I'm chasing life now, and and that's a super dangerous place. So, kataskuo is like a valiant strength. It implies a fight, right? It means it means that you can prevail over an enemy. That's what the kind of the context is like a combative strength, and and it, it implies an enemy that we can and will get victory over. Like we we will be the victorious side of this contest through Kataskuo. And I appreciate that he says, ask for it, right? This isn't yeah.
0: self-generated. But that kind of strength you're naming, it just stands out to me that it's not society right now is selling us comfort, escape, and safety. And can I add global denial? And denial, Just, yeah. just
1: absolute <laughs> delusional, delusional denial. What a buffet. That we are... We're back. Things are good. We're hey. We're out of it, folks. We're we're sailing now. We're we're things are good again. I'm like, what the what the
0: like? Yeah, Yes. Yeah. But so the, but the strength that you're naming is a there's a boldness and there's a determined, you know, like Flint. You set your face toward what matters, and and that to me calls something up in me that none of those other things do, that feel more numbing or more retreating. Yes, or, right,
1: there you go. Yeah. Right. There's almost a surrender. Okay. Okay. I think this is also fascinating. And in in the Olivet Discourses, when he's talking about the strength that prevails, he first says, do not let your hearts be weighed down. Okay. Love that. Um, He says, um, do not give yourself over to drunkenness and dissipation. And I'm like, why does he choose, why would he choose alcohol in a moment where he's trying to warn the world about, you know, the need for their life to be good again and to please, please, please give that over to God. And then I realized those of you who are kind of comfortable having a glass of wine with dinner that sort of thing, Jesus was, you know, he got accused for it, um, shows up to the wedding at Cana with 180 gallons of wine. (laughs) So why does he choose that? And I'm aware that there is a kind of turning to our comforters that actually is surrender. It, it, it's it's literally the white flag. And and we all we all do it. You know, I like get home at the end of a hard day, you know, you got the night shift, you get home in the morning, and you you just you just you just wanna binge, you just wanna just let me sit down in front of the TV and I just I just want to drink. And and not in order to get drunk, but there's a kind of there's an enjoyment of the things of this world that's joy mm-hmm. and celebration and and goodness, right? But there's a turning to the things to comfort us. That's really a kind of giving up. It's just a whatever. Right Mm -hmm. now, I don't care. I don't care. I just want this. And Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful with that. And then he adds and pray for the strength to overcome. Overcome the madness. Overcome what the evil one's trying to do to our hearts. I was reading a fascinating, fascinating story the other day been looking at survival situations and who who survives and why through all kinds of things and there was a climbing accident that took place on Mount Hood in Oregon that that was made the news because it was like whoa it was pretty high drama and what happened this is back in 2002 so Mount Hood is a is a technical climb at that time of year it's ice and so you're using ice axes and crampons, you know, these, these kind of cleats you put on your boots that have, you know, very, yes. very sharp tips and you can like walk up ice, you know, snow fields, that kind of thing safely. So four climbers have, um, done the five hour climb to get, they've made the summit, they've high fives, joy, take some pictures. They're coming back down now and you're still roped together. So four climbers rope together and... For some reason, they choose to pull their fixed protection as they descend. And and there's a lot of reasons around that. Like it's the weariness, it's the fatigue, it's, you know, I was reading the the analysis by a climber was saying, when you get to the summit, you let down and you forget that your climb is only half done. Mm. The summit feels Mm. like you're done, but you're not done. You're halfway done. Done is the car, (laughs) right? Done is the down. Mm -hmm. And and so you're hypoxic, you you know, you're in oxygen starvation, you're hypoglycemic at this point, You, you, you desperately need like huge amounts of sugar, even to reason correctly. You're tired. You know, many people at this point have some level of altitude, sickness kind of thing, and now you're decision-making. So here's what these guys do. They decide to pull their fixed protection as they go down and they're just gonna walk down on their tips of their crampons in a string of four. And, And what happens is the top guy, so he's farthest up the mountain still, Falls. He slips. Just slips on the ice for a moment. But the angle of it is he's on his back, and he is a toboggan mm. in a nanosecond. And wh- if you're going to do this attempt, if you're going to if you're going to walk down in kind of what's called a running belay, you know, you, the top man must never fall. Like mm. uh, that's the because there's 35 feet of rope between him and the next climber below him, which means he has fallen the height of a seven-story building. By the time he hits the second climber, the rope goes taut. Well, the second climber can't stop that kind of force. He's going 30 miles an hour. He rips the second climber off. Now the two of them are plummeting, rips the third off. You, you see the horrible yeah. like math of this. They, they are falling with thousands of pounds of force when they hit another group of climbers, two guys, Pastor, and and one of the members of his congregation, and they just clothesline these guys right off the mountain with them. Now there's six guys falling in a tangle of ropes and ice axes and stuff like that, three more. There's a team of three climbers coming around the edge of this crevasse. They swipe those guys off as they all go into the crevasse. Okay? So when an accident like that happens, there's always inquiries and investigations, and they get kind of the, the experts in the field to go, what happened? Mm-hmm. And we need to learn from this. And what happened was they pulled their fixed protection. Why? Well, because they were tired and they just wanted to get down quicker. Because if you're using your fixed stuff, you, it just really it's really slow. And you just go, I just want to be done, man. I just want to be there. Mm. And I'm reading this story. You see, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, react to that.
2: No application for me <laughs> <laughs> at all. Oh, my gosh the danger of making decisions in this point, fatigued, exhausted, not all the way through with the, the potential to do immense harm to myself and those around me. Like how is this not applied to every single one of us? The,
0: the guy at the top, you're saying who has to be the most careful, right? The the most sure of his footing. As you're saying that, I'm thinking as a man, as a as a husband and a father, as we go to some degree so goes the family. And and so like when we are living that unexamined life or that we're chasing the wrong things and we slip and fall, look who we pull with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, gang, we're not down yet. We're not down yet. And we're exhausted and we're fatigued and our longing for life to be good again is at an all time high. And at this point, Some of the simplest things in the world will help you. You must redouble your love for God because right now God is either your source of life or he's going to feel like your enemy because he's not cooperating in the things that you're trying to work, that next trip you're trying to book or whatever to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to choose him, to choose him, and and to take all that beautiful primal ache for life to be good again and give that to God, Like, like just regularly, every time you feel it, every time it starts presenting itself. So, you know, I get offline this morning and I'm like, oh, Lord, forgive me, what am I doing? What am I thinking? I'm buying stuff again. I take this beautiful ache and I give it to you. I choose you. I I literally, right now, I choose you above everything, over everything. That That is my only safe place. And I ask for the strength. Give me the strength as if I'm those guys on the mountain. Give me the strength to make good decisions right now. Give me the strength to choose you. Give me the strength not to go with the culture and and the falling away that's taking place, that subtle pull in a thousand decisions that's gonna pull us right off the mountain. I choose you, I love you, and please, I need the strength that prevails, the strength, Lord, grant me that, imbue that in me. He he said, ask for it, so he intends to give it if, if we will ask. And that's, that's what we wanna put before you here as we wrap up this series.